Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Super excited for today. We have April online. So April, what's up? How, how's it going? And uh, where are you from? It's going great. Um, I'm from North Carolina. It is nice and warm here, that uh, good August weather. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, it's pretty warm here in California, sunny, sunny California. So um, we got some good weather finally. Kind of had like June gloom until like a week ago. So been kind of weird, but it's warming up. Oh, man, I miss California. I got to live in Santa Barbara for three years. No way. What what yeah. brought you to Santa Barbara? It was actually my husband's job. Did you paddle there? A lot. Yes. Uh, I, I actually joined the local Outrigger Canoe Club while I was there. And just oh, the surfing, it, I miss it a lot. Having the oh, mountains and the ocean right next to one another was just the best. Yeah, it's it gets cold, though. It gets really cold, especially in the winter. It, not as bad as where I'm at in North Carolina. Yeah. Is it pretty, pretty gnarly there, the water? Yeah. Well, everything north of Hatteras is, is cold. So you have the similar thing uh, kind of going on around Point Conception in California. As you have uh, Cape Hatteras, North Carolina, everything north of Cape Hatteras in the winter is absolutely frigid. But everything south stays really temperate because of the Gulf Stream. So you can surf without a wetsuit well into December. Nice. That's rad. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So what's your go-to is paddle paddle racing is your your main uh, activity and, and career, right? Definitely. Yes. Uh, paddling's the thing I love the most. And I've definitely tried to make it as big a part of my life as possible. That's rad. What got you into that? I, it, it's a really long story, actually. The... I tried it for the first time about a decade ago, and I was finishing up my master's degree and working at the Center for Marine Science in Wilmington. And I kind of worked at a desk job with no windows, and we went out to sea once a year. And all of my dreams to be outside and hands-on and in the salt and in the sun weren't really going to plan. And I just, I tried paddling and... I just knew around that time, like I wanted to make it a bigger part of my life. And I just started to incorporate it into my life. I needed a habit to help me get healthy because at the time I was, it was a very unhealthy human and kind of the rest is history. I, my boss said I was going to commit career suicide. And I said, <laughs> sounds like a good plan to me. <laughs> and That's I did so it. Rad. So did you start going into events like right away? Uh, actually, yes. So I tried it on vacation in Florida for the very first time. Uh, I hopped on a board and I looked at my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. And I said, I am, I'm buying one of these as soon as I get home. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're not. And I said, just you wait and see. So the, the following Tuesday, here I come barreling in the driveway and someone actually sold me a tandem surfboard. It wasn't even a stand up paddleboard. And it was so narrow, I could barely stand on it. And it it was okay at surfing because I tried to take it to the waves. But uh, three weeks after having that that tandem surfboard slash what I thought was a paddleboard, I saw a poster in the local surf shop for the Carolina Cup, which was a stand-up paddleboard race. And I said, oh my goodness, people race these things? I I think I'm going pretty fast on that. So I signed up and I didn't sign up for the beginner race but I wasn't stupid enough to sign up for like the half marathon either. I signed up for the middle six mile race thinking, oh, this will be a good challenge. But uh, I think I think I'll do pretty well. I, I didn't even finish. I had my paddle backwards. I had no, no clue. Everyone was on these that is awesome. race boards that are like super narrow and super long. And here I was on a tandem surfboard and just absolutely blonde and clueless. and. <laughs> Yeah, it, I did start racing right away, but <laughs> I didn't race successfully right away. Within one year, though, I vowed to 
get my stuff together, buy one of those pointy race boards, take a lesson and enter the exact same race and finish it. And not only did I finish it, but I was able to come in second place. So no way. Yeah, that is rad. It was a good, it was a good like metric, a good goal. So I was happy. And so my paddle do, wasn't backwards. Yeah. You got it down by then. You had a full year of practice. I mean, you were, you're on a competitive mindset, just going at it. I love that. Yeah. And I didn't like my job, so I needed some sort of outlet, right? <laughs> Act, active jobs are the best jobs. That's the, yeah. that's my motto. Um, so do you do prone paddleboarding or stand up only, or what's your, uh, go-to? Definitely the go-to is stand up and outrigger canoe. So okay. anything with a single blade, uh, I dabble in and I say dabble, uh, very dabbly, uh, Olympic C1. It's a high kneel canoe. It also uses a single blade. Pretty sure I was just watching that. This is the first year that women were ever allowed in the, I believe it's the 200 meter C1 uh, sprint. So it's actually, it's never been even an option wow. for women uh, to be in a single bladed, single person craft up really? until this point. So yeah. That's crazy. There was actually nothing in the Olympics I was ever interested in until now. <laughs> I think New Zealand or so, I forget who won, but they were so far out in front. I was like, dude, this is kind of gnarly. These girls are going at it right now. It's good. It's it's really intense. Um, yeah. So I do have a prone paddleboard. I used to ride for Hobie uh-huh. um, and they made everything, you know, anything uh, f- to enjoy the ocean. They made it. So I've got a I've got an old Hobie surf zone prone paddleboard. So on really small days, I'll take that out and it's cross training. It's really great for the shoulders. Um, but stand up was my first love and it's kind of the thing that I, I do the most, but I've gotten really heavily into outrigger canoe in the last probably five years because you can do these big Island Island crossings, these big open ocean crossings, and you are absolutely flying. You think about like surfing, you're catching a wave out in the ocean and you just do everything you can to stay on it. And you want to surf this wave and connect it to the other waves out there for like miles at a time. And that's definitely, I I really like that a lot. (laughs) That's so rad. You went from not being able to do a six mile race to doing that. And then didn't you do like a 24 hour straight paddle? Uh, on the, for my birthday last year, it wasn't straight. Um, I just paddled every hour on the hour for 24 hours because it was my birthday. That is so gnarly. But I did just finish an 80 mile crossing from Bimini to Florida. And before that I did a 70 miler up in New York. And last year I won the, a 100 mile California river quest up from Chico to Redding. You have some determination. It's fun. (laughs) Well, that's why, I mean, you just have fun with it. Like it's just your go-to. But for me to think of that, I'm like, that is insane. That's so scary. I I don't even know if I could paddle for like five minutes straight. Well, I mean, on a surfboard, yeah, but not like, (laughs) I don't know. Like that's pretty gnarly. You know, when I started my fitness journey, I couldn't even run one mile without stopping. I, you know, I was overweight. I was, you know, desk jockey, kind of desk ridden. Um, I didn't eat very healthy. I had no fitness habits whatsoever. So one mile was daunting at first as well. But, you know, 10 years later, if you don't get started wherever you are, right, like you, you won't be able to get there, but anybody can get there for sure. What kind of training did you start out with? Oh, goodness. I you couldn't call it training. It's just recreational paddling, you know, yeah. a couple times a week after work, maybe like three times a week, a uh, couple, like a mile or two. Wrightsville Beach has a really nice um, Harbor Island loop. It's like 3.5 miles exactly. I used to try to get that in between two and four times a week, and that was it. Like, I used to do 10 miles a week and now I do like a hundred miles a week. <laughs> Jeez, that is insane. How, how far or how long after uh, you started getting into it, did you realize that you could make a career out of it? It, it depends on how I guess you would define uh, the career. 
I originally quit my job and just got a job in a surf shop so that I could paddle more. <laughs> that is <laughs> so, so rad. I was like, hey, I don't like money. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to be paddling more. So uh, I took a huge pay hit and became a surf bum. Uh, my parents are so stoked. And <laughs> so it wasn't until I started uh, kind of really having some breakout performances on the the world tour and in some higher profile events that I, I was actually able to make a, a career out of it. I was doing some small individualized coaching, uh, online coaching on the side before, but after 2018, 2019, which was a really big year for me, I was able to launch an online coaching service service called Paddle Ninja with three other really top ranked paddlers. And that's been really nice to have as kind of just like a base income for me so that I can't afford to continue to train and travel and compete all around the world. That's rad. Do you have any like uh, sponsors right now besides Salt Life? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Garmin. Thanks, Garmin uh, Fitness. No way. You're sponsored by Garmin? Yeah, I got Garmin. <laughs> I'm a Garmin ambassador. Dude, that is so sick. I was just looking at their watches the other day. I want to get one. Oh, dude, I'll send you a code. Like, dude, yeah, we're on. I'll, I'll get you we a discount. We are so on. <laughs> you don't you understand how many of the different watches I've been looking at. I'm like, oh, I want to oh. track my calories. There's like the, <laughs> this one that you can look at the map for like mountain biking and stuff. I don't know if that's all of them, but it's sick. I was like tripping out on it. Yes. So when I'm paddling, I wish I can't go in right now because I'm not paddling, but if I'm paddling around and I I go somewhere new, like I was in Florida a couple months ago and I found all these islands to go paddle around, I didn't exactly know how to get back. So inside my watch, I was able to go into the map and see where my car was. Are like it you made a little me? line and I was like, oh, I came from that way because I was at this big convergent. I forget the name of the inlet, like San Sebastian's Inlet. Yeah, it was big. And there's like a river and a, like the intercoastal waterway and all this stuff going on. And I was like, I got to find my way home. <laughs> so, Dude, I could fully just get lost. Yeah, it was. But not with your Garmin. I'm on. I'm getting one. Dude, my favorite thing, honestly, this is going to be like a Garmin ad now, but uh, it does this body battery and it tells me when I'm like really tired and I know when I'm tired, right? But sometimes as an athlete, you, we all have that mindset that like, oh, it says I'm tired, but I just need to push through. I need to toughen up. I need to, to work a little harder. Absolutely. But having the body battery, if it's really low and I feel crappy, I'll take the day off and then I'll just be that much stronger the next day. But if I feel kind of crappy, but my body battery says I'm good to go, if like those two things don't match, I, I think a little harder of whether I want to skip that workout or not. And I, my performances have definitely improved. That's rad. What other kind of cool sponsors do you have? Because Garmin uh, is sick. Saw life's <laughs> insane. You're like yeah, next level. <laughs> Thanks. So for my boards and my boats, I... Huakea Designs is a outrigger canoe manufacturer. They make some of the fastest, most amazing, light and durable outrigger canoes ever. I just paddled from my house, uh, my new home, which is on the North Carolina, Virginia border on a little place called Heiko Lake. And it was amid COVID. And I kind of looked at a map and realized that I could paddle all the way to Cape Hatteras. It was like 333 miles, but I could walk out my back door and get to the lighthouse. And so I took my Puakea Designs Kahele canoe and I like I drug it over rocks and over trees and, and I made it because um, some of the, the rivers weren't really that open. But the canoe made it like I, I didn't. I busted it up pretty bad, but it didn't sink when, <laughs> or take so on sick. any water. It was so durable. Um, and then 404 Paddle Surf, they make stand-up paddle boards, all-around boards, race boards, all that cool stuff, um, and hippo stick paddles. So, sick. You got the whole missing? lineup. Hold on. I think I have a list like on my weird wall of all knowledge. <laughs> like, when did you uh, get involved with Salt Life? Goodness, that... About five years ago now. Um, nice. Although I think I've been friends with them 
before that. Like there's yeah. such amazing people at Salt Life because they're always hanging out. Um, Every single person that's been on the podcast has said that same thing. Like, oh, you're always just friends with like Salt Life before or whatever. Like you're just kind of cruising around. Like I remember when I met Larry, I was down in Mexico for the Ultimate Waterman Challenge, just cruising around with like Damo and Rob Machado surfing. And then I met Larry and he's like, oh yeah, let's have some drinks up top and like dinner and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, yeah, this guy's sick, dude. This guy's so funny. And like, we just kind of hit it off. And then it just happened. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that was sick. Like now I look back on it now and I'm like, it's the same story for everyone. Like everybody's a part of the family. Yeah. Assault Life's definitely a big family for sure. I got that vibe right away. And that's, that's how I like to, I, I feel like everybody that would be considered a sponsor feels more like family than yep. anything else, you know, but it should, it should. I think so. Yeah. yeah. You believe in the people um, and they support you and you support them. And that yep. that's the definition of family, right? So are you, uh, is your goal to make it to the Olympics now? It might be. Oh my. <laughs> I don't know. One day I, I do have a C1 downstairs and I, wow. like I said, I've been dabbling. I'm just dabbling. But I don't know. I'm I feel getting, like you could do it. I turn 35 next month. No way. Yeah, way. Dude, that's I, I'm perfect actually... age. You're just froth. You're at the peak <laughs> right now. You are going to be frothing. <laughs> the Olympics isn't for four years. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect 30, timing. 39. That'll be good. Yeah, you're on. I'll be fine. You'll probably win. It'll be fine. With your determination, you'll just be pumped up, just fired up and win. <laughs> totally ready. That'll be sick. I do have the uh, the stand up world championships next month in Hungary. No way. So, yeah. You're going to see uh, Connor Baxter there? Yes, absolutely. Me That's and Connor so will be there representing the USA and Team Salt Life. I love that. That's so rad. Have you, um, do they ever have like co ed uh, races? What do you mean? Like, like girls and boys together? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they run us all at the same time. Connor's definitely faster than me. Okay, I was you gonna say, even... you, like, oh, he's, have you he's ever raced him? Is he that? Like, he is pretty gnarly, huh? Yeah, he's really fast. He's just like, dude. It, sprinting, he's even faster. Like, he's yeah. a good distance athlete, but he's a phenomenal sprinter. Yeah, because I I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, dude, just well, one day we'll like you know take some boards out or whatever. You come to Hawaii or whatever and. I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to go try it with him because I I get competitive, like really competitive. So I'm going to see him go and I'm going to be like, now I've got a buy board and my whole goal is to beat Connor in something and it's going to get too expensive. No, you know what? Sprinting's the way to go then because your anaerobic system, your fast twitch muscles will respond quicker. If you wanted to beat him in a distance race, I'd say there's no way. You need at least like seven to ten years. You need you absolutely need that ten thousand hours from the ten thousand hours rule to build up like the vascular system and all of that stuff. I think for for a distance race, but sprinting, I don't know. I think you should give it a shot, dude. I can barely paddle though. That's so gnarly. Ah, uh, you'll be fine. He'll, he'll he's got you covered. All right, I'm going to do it. You got one of the best instructors in the world. Just do I it. I know, that's true. So uh, let's go back to training because I got to listen to your training regimen that you got going on right now. Are you every single day training or do you take those days off? So I do try, something I'm trying more this year than in years past is a more intuitive training approach where... I have gotten to know my body. I have gotten to know like my training and what I'm capable of. And if I feel like I need a day off, I will take that day. Yeah. Um, it might be a different day each week. I go into the week and I've written out my week's long schedule, like what, how many miles I would like to accomplish in the week, what percentage of that mileage is low intensity and what percentage is high intensity which systems I'm kind of focusing on at the time, but it's, it's fluid. So if I go out and I'm just not feeling something on a given day, I might change my focus for that day. Like if I can't keep my form together, if I, if I'm not getting the desired training stimulus that I went out uh, with intention to get, 
I will just change that. Um, and then sometimes if I have an easy day planned, like the other month I had a, a really easy paddle on the schedule and I went out and it, it felt easy, but I looked down at my watch and I was on pace with a super like chill, like easy heart rate to set a, a PR in a 10 K. And I was like, Oh, Oh crap. You know what? Never mind. Like screw easy. I, I'm going to keep this up. Like, even if my heart rate kind of comes out of my zone, I want to, I, I want to set this time. I just, I felt really good that day. I just felt on. So I've definitely gotten better at listening to my body than just following a, a very strict like on Monday, you do intervals on Tuesday, you do long distance, you know, like everybody likes these formulas that guarantee success, but each human is so different. And, you know, you might sleep bad one night, you might eat a bad burrito another day, who knows, like you've got to be able to kind of modify things on the fly. So, uh, that's definitely how my training looks right now. Do you feel like technology has helped your training out a lot? Absolutely. Um, like I said, uh, that Garmin body battery for starters, if I have a beer, um, or three, like it, my body battery tanks, like really? I can't, yes. It, like the effects of alcohol on my body for training purposes. It just, it's, it's really sad to look at the body battery. You're like, okay, I can't drink beer. Uh, for, Dude, that's, you know, that's so gnarly. It shows you that. But people are different. I mean, you might drink a beer and it might not impact your body battery or I don't know. Some people, maybe if you're not sure if you're sensitive to wheat or something like that. So when your body is under stress, your body battery would go down. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I drink like this is really weird to say, but if I like wake up in the morning, I'm like feeling kind of like eggy because I drank too many beers. I will go crush myself in a workout. I work out, I swear, like, I don't know what it is, but I love to crush myself even harder when I drink. I don't know why. That's interesting. It's very interesting. I can't say that like, so the body battery says it's low, but sometimes like in these two day races, if day one doesn't go very good for me and I'm feeling kind of down and I'm like, yeah, screw this race. And I go out and I have like a beer and, you know, like a big dinner. I'm like, ah, I don't care how tomorrow goes. Yeah. Like I take the pressure off myself. I have too many beers. And the next day I have like this blowout, amazing performance. Yeah. And yeah, my dad once said, if you want to win a race, kid, make sure the night before you eat a ton of pizza and beer. And I laughed and, <laughs> you know, I laughed at him and I was like, no, that's not how athleting works. But I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes maybe it is. Do you eat pretty clean and healthy? I do. Um, uh, I eat very clean. <laughs> yeah. That's the athlete diet, just eating super healthy. And I don't know. I, I think that's like your dad said, like, that's pretty true. Like for me, I don't know. I feel like for certain people, it's true because like, if I had a contest tomorrow, I'd probably have a couple of beers and like eat a pizza and cruise around like whatever. Like, and that's, that's when I do the best in events when I just don't really think about it or like. Yeah. I'm kind of just like, oh yeah, whatever. Like I'm going to have fun. You know, the waves are so-and-so and and it's going to be sick. Like this is my first heat at seven in the morning and I'm just going to go out and catch a couple of waves, whatever. But if I like sit down and like psych myself up, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat a salad, chicken salad with no dressing and like (laughs) pug six gallons of water. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm, then, then I wake up and I'm like out of it. I don't even know. It's hard to explain, but yeah. I, yeah, I think it, the argument could be made like mental, right? Yeah. I almost think just don't do anything different Yeah. the night before. Like do what you do every night. Yeah. I think that's the best course of action. Or if like, yeah, you want to practice what you do the night before, but definitely don't do anything different than normal. If you always have a beer and a pizza, then just keep <laughs> on with that beer and that pizza. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just having fun with it and just going out there, crushing it, doing the best you can too. I mean, that's our number one thing. So, Oh, definitely. So what's your, what's your like daily schedule? Like you wake up, work out, train. What uh, is, what's your go-to? I like to wake up a little slow. Um, oh, wow. So I get up, I, when I say wake up slow, I still wake up at like 5am, but I'm not going to like hop on the water at 5am. I like most races um, start around like 
9, 10 a.m. And mm-hmm. I found this fascinating study uh, on athletic events once. And it said that one of the biggest things you can do to prepare in training for an event is to train at the time that the event happens more so than like getting, you know, certain specifics of the training, right. It's just training at that time of the day and getting your body used to that. So my first workout, I usually just, I wake up at five, uh, I read, I do a little bit of writing then I'll check my emails, uh, check the forums on my online coaching platform and make like a pretty big breakfast and then stretch or get, you know, my stuff together. And then I, I'm on the water by nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, but I've got like four to five hours of just kind of chill, slow coffee, drinking computer work, um, <laughs> and book That's work rad. before that. Nice. So. Do you have a pretty packed schedule coming up for your races and everything? Yeah. Uh, so like I said, I'm on the road. Um, I've got clinics in Ohio this weekend, clinics in New York the following weekend, clinics in Philadelphia the weekend after that. And I have a creepy camper van that I travel around in so that <laughs> I can keep all my healthy, clean food right there ready for me um, and my dog. And we'll be up training in cool weather. It's a little hot in North Carolina. So it'll be nice to prepare for the ICF world championships up in a little, just more favorable weather, but I'll be sleeping in my van down by the river, waking up in the mornings and hopping on the water, uh, then just kind of relaxing and doing my best to recover and get some work done in the middle of the day. And then each afternoon I'll have my afternoon session as well. And you're still doing the same like training regimen when you're on the road too, huh? Yes. So I've booked, um, whenever I'm traveling from like one city to the other, I book a campsite at some park that has a lake so that when I get there in the evening, I unload everything. The first thing I do is just get on the water, get my workout done, come back, cook my food, uh, sleep, wake up, get my morning workout in you know, and then hit the road to get to the next town. So I, I leapfrog my way based on state and national parks that have water bodies. That is so rad. Just on the road. I want to do that. I want to buy like an RV and just cruise around or a sailboat. Dude, my van, uh, the person who owned it before me painted it like Harley Davidson colors. It's black with an orange stripe, but it just looks like the A-team van. And it's a is that old two thousand Dodge Ram camper van like Class B. That's so sick. It's really creepy looking, <laughs> but <laughs> nobody bothers me. <laughs> that is so rad. What made you want to get a van? Just traveling so much. Yeah, food. Just food because America has a lot of food deserts. It, it, as you kind of leave the big cities just the ability to find clean, healthy, organic food on the road was so challenging for me that I was like, I need to travel with a kitchen at all times. Oh, do you have a little kitchen in there? Yeah. I've got a cooktop. I've got a refrigerator, a sink. It even has a toilet and a hot water shower, not for cooking, obviously, but, and a huge bed. I can, my dog snores so loud and I can barely hear her if I shove her on the other side. That is so cool. So have you traveled a lot then for your races, like out of the country or mostly in the U.S.? Both. um, You know, when I was early on in my career starting out, I think I I got the van back in 2016 because of, you know, the reasons I was saying. I was starting to take my racing more seriously and I was up and down the East Coast so much and hotels have gotten a little expensive. Yeah. Um, And for how short I was staying in them. They didn't, I couldn't justify that cost. Um, but I could justify the cost of my creepy van. So I I grabbed that (laughs) instead of hotels and it, it actually saved me a lot of money in food and hotels so that I was able to actually, again, start turning this into a career, right? Like if I was winning money at a race and, or doing a clinic and making money for coaching instead of you know, having like hemorrhaging money to food and travel, you know, and lodging, I was able to get the van and actually make more of my money, like able to keep 
you know, like, oh, I can actually turn this into a full-time job or a full-time career. So that was a pretty smart move early on. But then I did start traveling more internationally as well. And that's why it's nice to have uh, sponsor help occasionally and also start like a, a bigger business like Paddle Ninja where I can get to bigger events and, and just kind of travel. But at the same time, I, I do think it's important to pick your battles and not like gallivant all over the world. Personally, I do think that traveling a little too much is environmentally irresponsible because of the the carbon footprint of like our flights. So I do try to be very cognizant of what events I'm choosing and I'm trying to whittle it down and pick just the very most important ones. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. What what's your favorite place you've been to? Oh my god, for racing or just for surfing and paddling? Anything water related. Oh my goodness. I think Bali Indonesia, Bali, so yeah, there. down in the bucket like that. That's probably my favorite place ever. It's so fun. I love it there. What about for racing? For racing, I, you know what? I really like Hood River, Oregon, the downwind race there. Oh, sick. Yeah. I love that place. There's beautiful mountains everywhere to go hiking. There's good food in, in the town um, and just the infinite sleigh rides of that downwind run. It's just so much fun. I, I love that place. So that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Oregon's so fun. I love it there. My whole family lives up there. So I got up there a bit. What, uh, what's your best event you did in? Uh, I think my top performance is probably the gold medal in the Pan American surfing games down in Lima, Peru. No way. That's that crazy left, right? Isn't it just super yeah. long left? That wave so sick. Peru's yeah, rad. I, I want to go there. But it was a gnarly shore break. And so it's a it was a short technical race and short, like three, four miles. But you had to go out um and they made a triangle course. And they 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 changed it kind of the day of because the waves were pretty big. <laughs> they didn't make us come into the beach every single time, even though I kind of wanted to. So yeah. we went out through the surf um, and we made like two triangles, but the paddlers could opt to avoid the, the wave if they wanted to. So after you went around the outside buoy, you could go like really hard over to the right and just paddle around where it was breaking to go to the inside buoy and make another right turn. Or after you went around the outside buoy, you could paddle into the surf break and then catch a huge bomber, right? And just go way faster than everybody else and not paddle. So that's what I did. I love it. That's right. Yeah. I was like, why? <laughs> I don't want to go over there and paddle. I want to go over there and surf in the race and just cross the finish line surfing. Do you train differently for each individual event or are you same regimen the whole time? It That's really tricky because stand-up is very, very hard in that there's really not a lot of like commonality between the events. Like there's no standard distance. There's no standard formats. We don't have a good governing body. I mean, for the last couple of years, the ICF, which is the International Canoe Federation and the ISA, the International Surfing Association had been like fighting over who owns, you know, stand up paddling. And they, they both would like, the ISA won uh, in the court of arbitration um, for sport, but I, they both can have world championships and they both, I don't know, somebody should make a standard something though, so that <laughs> we can train, I guess is my point there. But I can't, you can't physically train for everything. It's nice if there's going to be a downwind race. I would love to get somewhere with some good wind and train in those kind of conditions at least a couple of weeks beforehand. But that's why you see so many different champions, right? Like there's so many different people winning in the stand-up industry because the races are just so different. Yeah. You know, even just from year to year, like 
APP world tour in 2019. I called it the world flat water tour. Like it was fun <laughs> to go around the world, but every single race was in perfectly flat water in, in a river, you know, and like no conditions whatsoever. And here we had been training in like surf zone or downwind for years, thinking that, you know, races like the Pacific paddle games or the battle of the paddle, or, um, some of those bigger surf zone races were what we were training for. So you train for that and all of a sudden everything's flat water and it, it was just really hard. You probably excelled way more though, because of it. I don't know. No, there's something about, yeah. Flat water is more about the grind. So that's oh, a different really? kind of, yeah, it's, it's just a different kind of training. I feel like that would be so like definitely more boring to me. <laughs> and I that's, don't know. I think so. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like my mindset would be like, when is this going to end? But if I was like going through some like gnarly conditions, then I'd be like, this is sick. They were on. I agree. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with stand up right now. Again, like picking my events moving forward, not just going yep. to every single thing. Like if I think it's boring, I'm probably just not going to go to it yeah. anymore because, you know, it costs a lot of money. It is, it's a big toll on the environment every time I, I fly somewhere. So I'm going to fly to the ones that I absolutely love and that make me love paddling. Like yeah. the, the things that I love to do is yeah, we're all so busy. Like, why am I going to waste my time doing something I don't really love doing at this point? Yeah. Right. hundred um, percent. So. Yeah, I and that's where the outrigger canoe and the the C1 come in as well. So if you want to go like a really long distance and go fast, I would go in the outrigger canoe. Like it's a lot 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 faster than the stand up paddleboard. Stand up paddleboard I feel is like for technical short racing in and out of the surf, like where balance is a component, right? Like to be able to stay on your board is part of the challenge. If it's flat water in a straight line. I, that's not really a stand up race to me. Yeah. If you want to go flat water in a straight line, get in an Olympic canoe. Yeah. That, that's literally what they do. <laughs> like, there's even lanes, like stay yeah. in your lane. Yeah. yeah for your, sure. Yeah. You want it more, more challenging. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's rad. I'm, I'm that way too. I, I like, I like the challenge of life and I like being able to like, be like, okay, I've served Mavericks at this size, but I want to surf it even bigger because it's more challenging, right? Like I want to challenge my body. I want to challenge my mind and where I can go. And I think as athletes, that's what we want to do. We don't want to just do the same thing over and over. And like, for me, if I was a paddler, I would look at the flat water and I'd be like, all right, um, I've done this like four times and now I want to go down a river or something. Like, yeah, I want to do something gnarlier. So. Yeah, the actually the um Salt Life's River Fest in Columbus, Georgia does I've, it's a yep. whitewater. Uh that you should do that. That's I've sick. gotten invited to it. I couldn't do it. Um You've gotta do it. I think they canceled it because of COVID. Yeah. The last time. And then the year before that, I think I was like in Indo or something. But yeah, I want to do that. Okay, Super good excuse. Bad. Yeah, I'll that's for, a good I'll forgive yeah. you. That's a good place okay. to be. <laughs> um, do you have any like records on times or anything that you've done? Again, it's so all over the place. Um, no. Or let me ask like, you this. What's your fastest paddle that you've done? Last year in the APP fast track, I hit 11 miles per hour on my standup, which no I guess is, is that. But it's, it's so conditions dependent. Like if you're in salt water, you're more buoyant and you, you're faster than if you're in fresh water and it's hot. Um, if you have a little tailwind, you could get faster. If you caught a little bump, you can get faster. Like if you're on a, if you're on a wave, you're obviously going to be a lot faster than just like manpower. Right. So it's, it's a hard thing because I was looking at the, uh, the times from the last couple of years at the ICF world events to, to train for this year. And I got a load of that and I was like, there's no way like these times aren't accurate for the distances. So either the distances weren't what they said they were, or someone recently uh, who's been to the, where I was talking about where they had the event said the, the current gets going 
where they have the event and get super fast. So everybody that attends that event posts way faster times than they, they normally would. And I was like, Oh, no way. Oh, so if I didn't have that inside knowledge and you tried to to meet those times, like in your training, like preparing, saying, oh, could I ever hit the speed? You'd be so just broken down and like overtrained and depressed with yourself. Like, I could never do this. Like, <laughs> I, I, think, I just do feel like we do need um, some standardized distances and some good times posted so that the next generation has something to work towards. Yeah, absolutely. But, but hey, yeah. you can never overtrain though. <laughs> I feel like, well, actually that's not true. You can definitely overtrain because then if you're like sore and worn out, then you do bad. Exactly. But but if you're getting those times and then you have that current behind you, then you're just like, oh, dude, I'm going to cut this thing in half. Once yeah. you figure that out, you're like, what? This is sick. I just beat everyone. <laughs> I hope. Hopefully. What's uh what's something that you would have known uh to do when you first started that you can tell tell everybody about with paddleboarding? I wish I knew when I started paddling that you can totally overtrain. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. I I need to stop with the overtraining thing and all this because I really don't know. But okay, wait, let me put this a better way. You can never. You can never strive too high. You yeah, you can never strive too high. You can't like. I feel like if you train every day, there's like a limit on training of what you should do, or yeah. you know, if you train yourself too hard and I'm sore tomorrow, but I have a race tomorrow, then that's not good. But if I train today in a good manner in a good way, and I don't overtrain myself then I'm good still. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I'm trying to say? I, I get it. No, yeah. I'll give you a pass. But I, uh, when I started training, I definitely had, when I started paddling, I just had this mentality that training harder was always better. Um, and I did, I went out and I did every session pretty freaking hard. And just in the last couple of years, I learned about this condition it's called aerobic deficiency syndrome and what happens is you never fully train your aerobic system and so then when you go out for like a jog a bike ride a paddle your heart rate's pretty instantly pinned at your threshold because it, it's going to burn glycogen as fuel uh, that's our like preferred our bodies like to burn glycogen as fuel but that's what you do when you're using your anaerobic energy. Whereas if you learn how to train very, very slowly at first and take that like ego hit, and it is an ego hit to go slow enough to stay in your aerobic zone, then what happens is you build up all these capillaries in your cardiovascular system and all these mitochondria in your muscle cells. And slowly over time, you're able to go at those same exact like super fast speeds but at like an insanely low heart rate. And I literally just spent years and years and years trying to keep up with everybody pinned at the top of my anaerobic zone, like just releasing cortisol, stressing out the body. And it kind of makes you sick. Like you, you're, it hurts your immune system. Um, and I did that wrong for many, many years. And if somebody had just told me, you know, don't let your ego get ahead of you. Like it, you're going to be slow for a year or two. Don't even, don't even look at anybody else or their speeds. Just go your own speed for, you know, X number of miles all by yourself. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. You're definitely more educated on this stuff than I am. Yeah, I feel been... like you're very good at the diet and training and everything. Hopefully I can get on that program because <laughs> I train like two to three times a week and I'm like exhausted afterwards. I'm like, oh See? no, like I don't want to work out. That's the problem. But I'll, I'll force my mind to do it though. I'll force exactly. my mind to do it and then I'll just do it. And I'm we like, all can. Yeah. But that's, but that's not, it is, it's self-defeating. Yeah. Like it's gonna, it releases cortisol. Whereas like the slow aerobic training actually is like a vacuum cleaner and it sucks up the cortisol. And it actually makually you healthier. So too hard of training 
makes you sick if you do it exclusively, but very easy training makes you healthy. But if you want to get faster and better, you have to do them hard training, but then you have to do the easy training to like suck up the byproducts of the hard training. Yeah. You have to have the balance. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Because if I just go surf every day, if I don't, let's just say I don't work out at all Mm -hmm. and I just surf every day, four to six hours a day, kind of cruising, doing my thing. Yeah, super aerobic. Yeah. And I'm good to go. I'm like, I Mm -hmm. feel on fire. I feel totally up to par. But then I go like surf for four to six hours and then I go to my trainer, Wes Collins, shout out. But I go to him and he crushes me. Then I'm like, the next day I'm like, I can only surf for like an hour or two. And then I'm like, oh, dude, I'm kind of beat right now. But then I'm like, my mindset kind of clicks in and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go work out. I don't know. Yeah. No, it'll make you better later. Yeah. For me, it's more of like a mindset kind of thing. Like you can do a lot more if you just tell yourself that you can do a lot more. Do you know what I'm saying? I think so. I do agree. I don't like, I don't care if you're out of shape, if you're in the best shape, doesn't matter who you are. If you tell yourself that you can do something, you can do it. Oh yeah. The mind wins first. Mind wins first. If you want to go run a mile in five minutes, and 30 seconds, you can do it. Yeah. Maybe you might have to train up a little bit to do it, but you can do it. And I think the mind is number one for sure. Just like you said. Mind wins first. Yeah. <laughs> what other hobbies do you got? Because I want to know some more stuff about you right now. Oh goodness. Uh, I, I love weightlifting. Um, oh really? Yeah. Heavy, heavy, heavy weights. Isn't weightlifting like burn the most fat? I think so. I don't know. When I lift weights, it, yeah, it, it helps. I, it's a nice side effect that I look nicer in a bikini when I when I lift. But um, <laughs> That's rad. This, this is not the main goal. I like it. Women everywhere should be lifting. Um, and obviously men lift, but there's kind of a stigma around it for women to lift heavy because they don't they don't want to look bulky. But you don't have to hypertrophy. Uh, you don't have to increase the diameter of your muscle fibers to get stronger, but it's so important for women's hormone balance. So when you lift heavy, uh, it increases testosterone. It increases naturally your human growth hormone. So it improves your other, um, recovery and it makes you a better athlete in general. Cause those are things that people would be illegally taking and you can get it naturally from weightlifting. So yeah. why wouldn't you? And in addition to it, like balancing your hormones, it does, it keeps the metabolism revved. And for women who like have osteoporosis issues later in life, it increases your bone density. When you lift that heavy stuff, uh, it sends these signals to your body to keep your bones strong and dense. So women should definitely take up weightlifting. So I, I believe, I believe in it. I'm a believer. What other kind of cool stuff do you do? Do you, um, you surf? I do. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not at the ocean now, though. Um, my most recent move brought me inland uh, to a lake. So I get very limited trips to the ocean to to get some surfing in. So right now I'm really into gardening um, and like foraging and trying to grow all of my own food and building a food forest. That's so, rad. I snagged a couple acres of land in the most recent place uh, that I live. And I'm, I put in like 20 apple trees. I'm going. No I, like, way. I want to build. So I'm going to have mountain bike trails through the Are woods. Are you kidding me? And it's, you have that many acres? Not, it's not a lot. There's only. Yeah. <laughs> it's, How many acres? All, yeah. Because I'm it, from Carlsbad. It's just eight. Eight acres. Are you eight kidding acres. me? Dude, I'm stuck. Eight acres in Carlsbad would be millions. I know. Well, I just came back from California and we were like, oh, hey, houses here aren't so bad. <laughs> wow. That but, is so uh, rad. Yeah. I want to make like a really sick mountain bike trail through the woods, but each feature is got like fruit or vegetables or something. No so it'd way. be like, that's so like, cool. Yeah. So it'd be like a berm for a mountain Turn. bike. But then on the other side of the berm, it would be like facing the right direction of the sun for like squash vines or like pea shoots or something. So I want it to be this edible food forest slash walking trail (laughs) slash mountain bike trail. Dude, 
That is so It's going to take sick. me like 50 years, but I'll get it done eventually. It's what I do when I'm not hey, paddling. Hey, it'll work. Do you fish at all? You said you live next to a lake. You know, everybody said the crappy in the lake's really good, but I think I'm good. I'm not. You're just like, I'm yeah, over that. I don't I don't. Are those good to eat? The locals love them. <laughs> I okay. I don't know. I'm not going to. I might not try. Um, I have friends That's that funny. fish. And so when they catch, like, what? We, when we did the trip from Florida to Bimini and then paddled back, the guys were fishing the whole time and they caught dinner. Yeah. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was super fun. But I myself, I don't own the gear, sadly. Yeah. So that's, I fall off the, uh, the Salt Life bandwagon. Oh, I'm, no. You're still there. You're like a paddle like, expert. I was like, I don't fish. <laughs> But I do have a paddling friend that does fish off of her outrigger canoe out offshore in Hawaii. She like runs a line. So when she goes on her training paddles, her name is Jen Fratsky. She just finished the MR340, which is a 340 mile race. She's done the Yukon River Quest, which is like 444 miles or some ridiculous number. Oh my. She is an ultra distance insane athlete. And she just goes out and does like crazy amount of miles. And again, just pulls that line and she brings home dinner, like just mac and fish. She's just paddling her. fast enough that she can troll. Yeah. And she catches huge dinner um, all the time out in Hawaii. Oh my. Just that off is of her so little sick. And some of them apparently, like they put up a good fight, you know, for her on the outrigger canoe. So she oh, spins yeah. around. So she's got the AMA, you know, so the out, you got your, um, the main canoe and then the outrigger. Yeah. So she'll turn over to the left and put her feet on her ama and brace and like get she gets them. Dude, that's so sick. She's super cool. We were signed up for the Yukon 1000 together as a team. It's the world's longest paddle race, but it got canceled due to COVID, obviously. So last year we didn't get to go do it. They canceled it again this year. Um and we went ahead and had to withdraw because next year I'm trying to do the um World Ba'a world championships in london for 2022 i just had to put that entry off for a couple of years but we we plan on doing it um as soon as i'm done with some of these like shorter events rad just getting after it but we'll be fishing on that we'll we'll be trying to catch as much dinner as possible um and hope the grizzly bears don't see us when uh when we catch our dinner (laughs) that's so fun that's all part of the adventure though that's so cool yeah, I hope. <laughs> April, give yourself a shout out on Instagram and any other social media that you have. Yeah. Uh, Instagram is just at April Zilg. That's my name. April Z as in zebra. I-L-G. Nice. Anything else? Yeah. Do, you have a, do you have a YouTube channel? I do. do have, I'm, okay. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, I'm a YouTuber now, but I'm working <laughs> on it. I actually right now... Um, Oh, you can see my 11 mile an hour sprint. I posted kind of a video blog about how I was training for and how I got up to hitting the 11 mile an hour mark. And then my big 333 mile paddle from my house to Cape Hatteras, I've been uploading each day as an episode uh, each week throughout the summer since I did that back in April, May timeframe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can see me get like stuck on portages, stuck on rocks, rained off the water, like, <laughs> just all by myself out in the woods for seven days, just camping on the side of the river with my canoe and a hammock. So Dude, that's so uh, sick. But yeah, it's up there. What else do I got? That's all I got. I got some, I have some old stuff. Uh, Oh, I have a video up there. I set the world record for the highest altitude ever paddled in India. And there's a little video of there stuck in there. Wait, what? Yeah. Were you going upstream? No, it was just a little lake up in the middle of um, the Himalayas up in India. No way. Yeah. I pulled off the side of the road and I said, Hey, I think this is a really high altitude lake. So we, blew up these inflatable paddle boards and jumped in and it was like, boom, world record. <laughs> no way. That's yeah, it was cool. We're in the Lemka book of world records. Cause in India, they don't drink Guinness. 
they drink Limca. It's a non-alcoholic lemon-lime soda. That's cool. So it's the Limca Book of Records, and there, there's more followers I in like India. It. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, I got to ask you a question, though. What is your, what's your normal heart rate? Because I want to know, because I think that mine's low, because every time I go to the doctor, they're always like, your heart rate's like 48. Is this normal? Oh, that's so, that's good. Yeah, that's normal. Mine's like 52, 53, but women are usually a little more high strung. Um, <laughs> my husband's like down around 47, 48. Really? So yeah. that's not, so I'm like not dying then. No, I think, yeah, you're totally, okay. well, gosh, don't, don't <laughs> I am not, seek the advice of a medical professional. I am not <laughs> a medical professional, but for what it's worth. Yeah. My what about when you're training though? Are you, is your heart rate spike up a ton or is it like stay pretty consistent? Uh, it depends on what kind of training. If I'm going to do an aerobic, uh, training, I keep it very, very stable. And very, very like as low as possible, like a one thirty for like a long aerobic session. But oh, I can geez. hit one ninety three if I need to. Okay, you're beating me. Wow. I don't. I don't want to hit one ninety three. That means like the lion's chasing me. <laughs> wow, one thirty. That's pretty low. That was super low, and th- that's what I was telling you about. That's how you gotta do that super low aerobic. Go look up aerobic deficiency syndrome. As soon as we hang up on here, you've got to go read about it. You're going to, your mind is going to explode and you're going to be like, oh wait, that's how I become like superhuman, super fit. That's crazy. Cause like I'll go surf and I'll literally paddle out. My heart rate's probably like, well, it's not that high, but then I'll like catch a wave and then my heart rate goes up even higher and then it goes down and up and down and up and down. It's just like, I want to be able to keep it consistent. You know what I mean? You gotta do the aerobic base. It, it's it really that's the thing I wish I knew when I started paddling. Okay, but here I'm telling you, that's the one. I'm telling I'm you the big secret. Go Google I'm it. I'm looking it up right now. Do it. I'm going to it right okay, now. Good. I'm not kidding. I am. That's sick. <laughs> that's my new goal. Is to. It's gonna help. I'm on. It's pretty rad. We get to talk to the most amazing people: fishing, diving, surfing, paddling. You name it. We've got it on here. So. I love diving. I love free diving, but yeah. Oh, what? That's, oh, no, I'm not good at it. That's another hobby. But I love it. That is another hobby. But it comes under gardening. <laughs> That's it's so below. Rad. It's not above. It's below. That's <laughs> so cool, though. Oh, okay. I know we're trying to hang up, but, um, <laughs> you know, the splenic <laughs> contraction? No. Oh, so when you hold your breath for a really long time. Oh, and, yeah, you get and, contractions, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And you I get didn't the, know it was called a splena contraction. I just know it says contract, where it's like. <laughs> yeah, your spleen actually squishes and releases all these red blood cells that are like, it's a, your reserve out into your body to, to get more oxygen. So if you're about to do a race or a sprint or something and you need more red blood cells, you could hold your breath until you get your splenic <laughs> contraction and you'd actually have more red blood cells like the people who don't, but you just held your breath. What? I, I That's my hypothesis. And I do that sometimes. Dude, that's insane. <laughs> but we'll see. I don't know. If- I'm going to start contacting you with for all of my advice in life now when it comes to training <laughs> and learning about my body. You got the Garmin watch. You got everything dialed. You're on. I like books. I read a lot of books. <laughs> That's so sick. See, I'm a bad reader. That's the problem. It's funny. It's I like, like read a book and I'm like out of lines. And That's funny. That's the, that's the take home, kids. Everybody go home and read books. Yeah. Don't become a <laughs> professional surfer. Go home or and do. read. Or do it. Do but it. also be educated. Yeah. yeah. Paddle and read books. Surf and read books. Get splenic contractions and read books. All of these things. Although when I'm on long plane rides sometimes i'll i'll read i'm not gonna lie see a little bit but but i read for like five or ten minutes and then i'm like okay i need a break i'm gonna watch a funny movie and then i go back to reading that's funny i don't know dude i'm like adhd times 100 that's it's just training yeah just train yourself to do a little more each day yep yeah man just like holding your breath i'm on well you got anything else for us no this has been fun though Thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me. And yeah, thanks Salt Life for putting this together and having such a cool family of paddle and surf and water people. I know. All right. 
Let's do this. I got to go eat dinner. Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to Above and Below, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. Stay salty. Phew.